afternoon. How's it going? How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I have a good supply of tea. So what tea is it? Uh, it's um, I think this is either uh, probably two tea bags of tea pigs and one of Yorkshire tea. So first question: Who is Kerry? Tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you? And how has the pandemic been for you and all that beautiful stuff? <laughs> I will put myself on mute so the wind doesn't distract you too much. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Kerry Newton Sargana. Um, well done on the pronunciation; it's uh, not not the easiest to get right. Um, I, I'm a behavioural coach, agile behavioural coach. So I, I I do work in agile with agile teams, but I include the behavioural side of things because I I like to focus on the interactions between the people doing the work. Um, and helping them to do that more effectively, um, better, if you will. Um, I don't. I don't go into organisations to fix people or fix problems between people. I don't see that there's something there that needs to be fixed. Um, you know, usually anything that's going on between people is is down to misunderstandings or miscommunications. Uh, people not quite being aligned. Um, and sometimes that's because of how um, you know people are acting because that's the way they see themselves as needing to be in the world uh, in order to get themselves where they need to go or in order to feel safe. Um, and sometimes it's because it's what's demanded of them in the job that they're in. So I work with um, yeah, predominantly with agile teams to help them identify where where those 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 parts are where things aren't quite aligning properly and usually they know I mean it's not it's not hidden when there's conflict or um or, or people are not intentionally sabotaging what's what's trying to be built but things are not going the way that they were meant to be going um people are not doing the things that they said that they would do and there's usually some underlying reasons behind that so I help people to work on that um, and, and see that where it was previously hidden um, I'm going to apologize straight away because I did send you a loop structure so as you were talking my mind I was wondering the different questions so I'll start off by asking how did you get into this space like what's your, what's your background how did you um, yeah, how did you find yourself where you are now of working with the organization as you do in this mm-hmm. particular niche so um, many moons ago, I was a project manager. Um, you know, after I after I did my uh, my first degree, and um, yeah, I went into office management and project management. And I didn't really enjoy it very much. Um, so I I left and I retrained as a teacher. Um, and I worked as a teacher for for a few years. Um, enjoyed that thoroughly. Um, and I had kids, uh, and I brought them up. Um, using Montessori as a method and I don't know if you're familiar with with Montessori so it was developed by a child psychologist uh, Maria Montessori um, who essentially used it to help children initially children who weren't able to learn using traditional learning methods but what was found was that the way that she introduced tasks and, and and ideas to these these children 
was just as as useful to all children across the board. And so there's a number of Montessori nurseries and schools um, in the UK and across the the globe. It's uh, much more popular in India and America. But the idea behind it is um, it's autonomous learning and it's child-led learning. So the idea is that you have a curriculum, but the children decide which elements of that curriculum they're going to continue following and they do those to the best of their ability not because they're told to but because they enjoy it and they love it so I had to stop teaching because I got meningitis the first time uh, and I couldn't stand up in a classroom or remember anything for a while and as I was looking at what to do next um, my husband who also works in tech said I should look at agile because it tied in with everything that I already believed and did as a Montessori teacher and so what I came to realize is that Montessori is agile but for kids and agile is Montessori but for grown-ups so I then worked as a scrum master um, you know uh, I worked first as a scrum master in a, a team without certification and then I got uh, got certified and then I carried on my scrum master journey turned from there to agile coaching and now I've moved into the behavioral side which is stepping away as I say from those processes and tools and more focus on the individuals and the interactions have you got a key is there a, a, um, an idiot's guide to Montessori that you always recommend people to go to yeah there's um there's a really good um a really good rsa uh video actually i think it's it's about eight minutes long or, or you know 15 minutes long at the most it's very brief um on youtube i don't remember exactly what it's called but it is really informative and i think it um you know it certainly does bring home the, the this idea of you know how the children learn and how they develop and how they develop that love of learning which which ties in very nicely when you go and read anything about uh, and the, the the work that dan pink um has has done on you know, what really motivates us uh, and montessori certainly picks that up and, and ties that in um and and in, in montessori as well it's you know it's very much about hands-on engagement and learning through your mistakes and i think that's i think that comes across nicely in that video i'll try and find that and link it in the comments um is that a hard sell when you go into organizations because you know agile is a hard sell but it's very very popular you know buzzwords scrum kanban um, self-managing teams what do you do seems a tiny bit different i was just wondering is it a harder sell to get through the door and what are people's apprehensions when you sort of go into the yeah i think um i think i appeal to a, a particular kind of uh particular kind of organization a particular kind of leader um, and I think the leaders who see that they they have problems in these areas, um, and it's it's not necessarily that they have problems. It might be, um, or it has been, that you know I'm called in to work with a high performing team who um, who want to iron out the you know iron out the the wrinkles, if you like, that you know that the small wrinkles in the rug that are tripping them up as they're walking down the hall or sprinting down the hall and you know there's there's little bits here and there that just want to be tweaked and I suppose a normal agile coach um, is is 
very capable and able to go into an organization organization with a, a pocket full of tools, a pocket full of models, um, you know, able to say, okay, this is the situation that you've got. This is what you're trying to build. Here's how we can do that and, and helping the team on that journey. Um, and I still have that, that, that skill, but I think once you've got that in place, um, you can have the best tool and the best process in place in the world. But if that's not working, it's not working for a reason. And I think, you know, the organisations that I've worked with have recognised that. They see that, you know, they've spent however much on agile coaches who are able to help them with the, the systems side of things. But something's still not matching up. Something's still not happening. They're not making the progress that they ought to be making, given everything that's in place, given the support that they have. And something's not quite right. Um, and in that case, it's not a difficult sell because the, the, you know, the cost of having invested so much already and still having it not work far outweighs uh, yeah, anything that, that I can bring. And what, without giving away too much of, of how you go about your business, what, what sort of things do you do? What's, what's a day in the life, if you like? What sort of workshops do you do with teams that may be different from a traditional coach, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. Um, so I do a lot of work about uh, about the subtler side. So I think in, in a lot of uh, transformations, the, 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 the teams that I've been brought in to help, um, you know, they've been told we're now doing agile and it's been done to the team. Um, so that the team is you know, given this new structure to work within, possibly very different to how they were working before. Sometimes it's very aligned with how they were working before but there's bits that they're now told to do where they haven't chosen it themselves so a lot of the work that I do is on alignment so workshops to align the intention and the direction of leaders and teams so um, working with a leadership team perhaps rather than with the team itself to actually help them to understand uh, what it is that they're you know, they're asking of the team and where that's going to impact, where that's going to, where they're going to come across niggles and resistance um, and understanding why that happens. So I, I also study uh, neuroscience and so, uh, and I studied uh, psychology in the past as well. So I bring in a lot of that to help people understand, to help leaders in particular understand uh, what it is that's stopping their teams from um, from picking that up so behavioral coaching um, involves sim simply sitting down and and asking the uncomfortable questions um, asking the questions that other people perhaps aren't so willing to ask and I'm very comfortable with uh, you know with kindly and gently but challenging uh, challenging leaders um, at, 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 at all levels to look at what it is about their practices that are that is stopping the team. So some of the work that I do will be coaching the team as a unit. Some of the, the work that I do will be coaching um, individuals in that team um, and not as a remedial uh, exercise, but as a supporting uh, exercise. And similarly, I will then coach the leadership team, whether that's um, you know, a board of directors or um, a C-suite or just the technical director or um, team leader who's actually um, helping that team to progress. Um, and then, yeah, the workshops are around 
uh, mindset and conflict and feedback and all of those sorts of things, but very much focused on the behavioral human interactive side of things um, to help people get an, understand of, uh, an understanding of the, the humans that are doing the work, but also you know, the humans that they are themselves and how that impacts and influences things. I think it's easy to forget that it's our own responses and behaviours and, and actions and interactions that affect things as much as the as the team. It's very easy to say, well, it's them that needs the coaching. Um, so, yeah. And what's the reception like when you go into like a team? And like, the reason I ask that is because sometimes, and you, you may have experience with it, you can go in and now, you know, that you can tell what they're thinking, oh, who's this? Another <laughs> coach or another consultant that the leadership is brought in is that something you face and, and how and how do you overcome that yeah yeah sure so I've I've certainly seen uh <laughs> I suppose resentment on a certain level um you know who are you to come and tell me anything and I suppose the way I deal with it is I, I don't tell them anything I'm not there to to direct or to force their hands um you know I think that's that's one of the reasons that I end up being brought in is because there's been a bit too much of that um somebody has come in and told them what they're going to do how they're going to do it possibly told them why uh, but not necessarily told them the consequences and the impact and you know the, the sort of the full picture um so to overcome that, I, I'm very happy to sit and listen and to find out who it is that's doing the work, who it is that wants the work done. What are the stories behind those two sets of individuals and what brings them together? What helps them to meet in the middle? And I think uh, simply by listening to people um, willingly and without judgment, without prejudice, without going in and saying, well, I've been brought in because what you're doing is wrong. Um, and the, you know, the organization wants you to fix it. I, I don't, I don't have that judgment. I'm not there for that reason. I'm there to help them both uh, meet in the middle and find the path that, that works for both of them. Um, you know, find, find the way through. And I, I think I've never left an organization with a bad relationship, you know, by the time I've I've ended up going, or even, you know, other people who have left. Um, I think everybody understands that it's not about picking people apart and telling them what to what to do. It's about helping them to find the best path forwards, the one that works for both of those. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Setting an expectation from the start that I'm not here to tell you how to do your own job. One, I wouldn't be skilled enough to do it in the first place but we, what we can do is create that environment to just relax safe space so yes mm. I think it's good. I'm glad you've said that because it gives me confidence that I and those around me do that in the correct way you know you have yeah. to you have to be honest that what you're there to do and what you're not there to do and I've always found that people appreciate that up front rather than assumption um, yeah so what are the best parts and the worst parts about your job, would you say? Oh, the best parts. I mean, so I'm I'm a lifelong learner. Um, I'm addicted to books and podcasts and information generally. So the best part of the job is learning and the, the surprises that you get 
Um, it's impossible as a human being to go into a situation without any assumptions whatsoever. Um, and I think you know, if we can recognise that, then we're off to a great start. Um, and if we can see what those assumptions are and notice them, then you know we're, we're off to an even better start. Um, but still having those assumptions, and you know, it, it's hard to put them aside, but it's important for the job that we do. Having those assumptions challenged by what we discover motivates people or, or what I discover um, upsets people or bothers them and why and where all of these behaviours come from and how that links to other things that I know and learn and study. I find that absolutely fascinating. I love tying together um, completely unrelated subjects, topics, uh, bits of information and seeing the connection that I, I I didn't know was there before simply off the back of something that somebody says in a coaching session I love that it's wonderful I, I get my own uh, light bulb moments from that um, and I suppose in terms of teams and, and working with the, the people in the teams the best part about that um, and it's slightly gory, I suppose, but it, it feels like um, picking off scabs or pulling out splinters. Um, you know, it's it's not pretty and it's not comfortable and sometimes it hurts and it's kind of gross to do. Um, you know, and it doesn't it's not something that anybody could 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 do. But the sense of relief and the way that people are able to move forwards after after that discomfort is aired or after that realization about why you know so if, if I'm coaching an individual and they they realize why they've been doing this thing all along and suddenly that they you know they, they understand that you know, they can control this they can change it and they don't have to feel as rubbish as they felt all this time um, and it's you know it's not therapy I'm not I'm not here to to fix people it's just in terms of that that behavior that's affecting those interactions or uh, the way that they're interpreting these instructions. I, I love pulling out that splinter. Can you do a talk on um, stoicism? I did. I did. Yeah, yes, I did. Yeah, that was a, um, Agile in the City uh, pre-pandemic. I was about to say last year, but of course it wasn't last year. Um, and yeah, that that was all around focusing on. So instead of sitting and dwelling on why we're here and all of the things that have gone wrong up until this point, and as with so many people, I have my own you know, colourful background, troubled and, and all the rest. And I could sit there and dwell on you know, where, where I am and why I'm here. But that's not helpful. It's not helpful to me in the moment. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't help me to feel better. And all of these reactions are, are evolved in some way to protect us. But the difference comes in understanding the the way that we interact in the modern world versus the way that our brain has evolved to react to these situations that come up, and being able to notice that and pick it apart, and understand that. You know, thoughts are not um, thoughts are not who we are they're simply something that occurs within us and we can choose whether to follow those thoughts um, and that was you know something that, that Marcus Aurelius said we could we can choose if we give in to those thoughts and the you know the aim of stoicism really is to 
to be able to see and step above those thoughts instead of believing them as truth and acting and reacting um, venomously or, or extremely in the ways that we often do. Um, but instead of doing that, choosing to notice them as thoughts and then instead choosing how we're going to move forwards. What can we do? What's the reality of the situation? What are the facts of the situation? And how do we use those to inform where we can go from here? I mean, it ties in beautifully with Agile, really. Um, you know, the, the, the retrospective of, uh, you know, what, what, what went wrong this week. That doesn't have to be a blaming exercise. It's not intended as a blaming exercise. It's simply observing what's happened before and how do we use that to inform our progress going forwards. Uh, yeah, I wish I would have heard that talk. <laughs> what about the um, about the worst parts of your role, your job? What would you say they are? Yeah, um, so I suppose it's always it's always sad to have to leave um, at the end of it. Um, that's that's always rubbish because I think because of the nature of the work, we do tend to to dig down and you know build quite quite close relationships. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm asking people questions that they they might not necessarily share with just anyone. So um, yeah, that's always a shame. But you know, we we stay in touch uh, afterwards, so that's fine. And um, I think one of the awkward parts is that very first time, and I always get butterflies um, when I do it. But the very first time you sit down with a leadership team or somebody who's very high up, and you know, so we, as a coach, we contract and, and, and I'll ask, is it OK if I challenge you? And we're conditioned to say yes to those things. So more often than not, uh, I don't think I've ever had anybody say, no, you can't challenge me. Um, again, because I think people are careful. Uh, you know, people people know if they want to work with me or not. They, they know if they're willing to be challenged. So they'll say yes. So the next question was, what would you put into the Agile Room 101, given the opportunity? The gap in between somebody going and getting that first certification and then either being able to get their first job or getting that first job in um if they're if they're really unlucky um in a place where they're they are the only scrum master or there's no other support no one to sound off of no one to get feedback from or ideas from they don't necessarily know about meetups they don't know about the wealth of podcasts and information and so you have these newly certified uh, scrum masters who are then in positions where they're floundering not knowing what they're doing and I think the the people who then experience this are the ones who go on to say agile doesn't work scrum doesn't work it's all just a mess and it's through no fault of anybody it's just this gap in between you know that that two-day certification how does that translate in the real world what does that mean that you go and you do when you get into that um, into that office when you get into that team um, if the team doesn't know what they're doing either they just know that you know somebody decided that you should be doing agile somebody who knew nothing about it said well we'll hire a scrum master you're fresh out of certification so you're not too expensive so they've gone with you for, for whatever reason. Um, and then you're both trying to find the way without knowing what the way is. And so 
you know, agile coaching is this interesting mix um, and it's a necessary mix of coaching and support and asking open questions, but also some experience, some exposure to industry and the technical side of, you know, whichever team they're in, whatever the team has done in the past, whatever the team is doing, that agile coach having some experience of that in the past and some idea of how that aligns with the direction. And I think we we almost do new Scrum Masters a disservice by not including that next step as part of the certification. I think it's deeply unfair um, and uh, it, it doesn't help anybody. Um, so I would shove that gap in the, uh, in the Agile Room 101 and instead help people to bridge it and put something in place and ask the, the people that run the certification to just add something on. I was given advice that the, the one thing that stuck with me when I was a, a new um, a new Scrum Master, and I don't remember who said it to me, and it's been said so many times since that, that I'm afraid it's, it's slipped into the ether, um, but it's the, the comment that all models are wrong, but some are useful. And I love that for so many reasons. I, I, I love that because in, in any Scrum or Agile situation, there are so many models that can be useful and informative and brought to bear. But to say that this situation is this and maps directly and perfectly and exactly onto this model is to do a disservice to the complexity and the nuance of human beings working within organisations, working within um, societies. Um, that said, those models, of course, are incredibly interesting, can be really informative as long as we take them on the value that they provide and don't use them as the, um, I suppose, as the guidance of how we then need to act and only adhere, only stick to that one model. Understanding that um, in any situation, and you know, it maps onto the wider sphere, in any situation, we can see what things are but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's only one path forwards um, and I think that's a mistake that um, that I made as a new scrum master definitely was seeing well you know this ties into uh, this bit of transactional analysis so this is how we must proceed whereas actually what I needed to do was say well this is what is this is where the team is this is where we as a unit are and here is a selection of things that we can try going forwards based on what I've read around the subject. What would you, the team, like to try? And I didn't do that to begin with. I definitely took that model and said, right, that's what we need to do next, as if somehow the model gave us all the answers, which, of course, it did not. Um, I think we've all uh, been the scrum police at times, obviously, I think. <laughs> I think if you're not, yeah. you're probably lying to yourself on the team. Um, when are you happy for people to reach out? Where can they find you? What are you up to? Like yeah. people get hold of you? Yeah, sure. So I'm I, I'm typically on LinkedIn. Um, I am a work nerd, so I, I hang out in the comments quite a lot. Um, I am at various meetups um, because I do have the resources to go to them, uh, despite being a working mum. So, yeah, uh, meetups, uh, the Agile Bath Bristol meetup, uh, I, I'm there quite a lot so if you want to come and chat to me in person then uh, well in person virtually of course at the moment uh, but yeah I'm there I am on Twitter but um, for 
you know, my own sanity throughout the course of the pandemic. I've mostly stepped away from Twitter, but uh, as things go back to normal, I will be back there a bit more. Braver than I am. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I've learned a lot. You're going to reflect on the conversation, to listen to it back. I'm sure loads of people will get loads of value from it. Thank you very much right. for your time. It's been a joy, Jack. Thanks so much for spending the time with me. Thank you.